What's going on? How are you, sweet? I'm doing pretty good. How are you? I am doing amazing out here in the good city of Houston. Okay, Houston, Houston we have a problem. Best friend is in town. And bitch, I ain't did nothing. I did nothing. <laughs> um, I came for a work trip. I have been working, and that has been what it is. And it's so crazy, because there have been quite a few people that are like, oh, I didn't know you were in my city. And I'm like, yeah, I don't keep up with people who live where. But meantime, a motherfucker can't hit me up like, oh, I know it was your birthday recently. Let's go have a drink. Let's go get some dinner. Like, nothing but it's cool um as always well before we go there let me say this as some of you may have noticed those who listen regularly um there was not an episode last week (laughs) (laughs) which you know probably seems you know interesting that this is a weekly podcast and we went a week without an episode but this is what happened uh we had some scheduling difficulties um, we had to push it back. We ended up having to push it back again. We got to the point as to where we were recording on Thursday in the afternoon. It took about four takes because I could not wrap my head around the fact that we were recording during the day. We finally got it recorded, went back and listened to it. You might have heard 15% of everything that Lonnie had to say. It was an amazing topic, an amazing episode. We are going to have to re-record it at some point so that we can get it out to the world. But we do want to start out by saying that we are very committed to this podcast and to sharing ourselves with you all weekly. So if it takes an apology, we apologize that we had to miss you last week. But we back and we are back in full effect. Um, Lonnie, how have you been since the week before last when people last heard from you? I've been good. Had a few few things come up, but you know that don't stop the show. Just keep you know it, what I'm keep saying? moving, you know. Just like that. Mm-hmm. I've been out here grinding. Um, the man thought he had me down. Um, I was gonna put in my two weeks' notice or whatever for my little job, and they had said, "Well, look, um, we're not gonna <laughs> pay you to chill on our dime, so we gonna have to uh, <laughs> let you go real quick." But, hey, two weeks vacation, I'm in Houston. It's all good. It didn't stop no show. Not a bill has been missed. I'm blessed and grateful. Um, As you might see, as you are reading the title to this week's podcast, we have a guest. And that guest's name is Sheldon. Sheldon, how are you? I'm great. How are you? Doing amazing. So, Sheldon is here with us tonight to speak on a topic that he provided for us. So, Sheldon, why don't you start by telling us who you are, where you're from, what you do, and a little bit about why you chose this particular topic. Okay, well, my name is Sheldon, of course. I am from Alabama. I am a coordinator for a major production company and I have my own nonprofit, which I'll stick a shameless plug in so you should keep more care packages <laughs> check us out okay. on Facebook <laughs> check us out on Facebook um, and I think for me picking a topic I think that you know you know having something to happen in life and you know, people was like, are you going to get back in the dating field? And 
I was kind of on the fence because I didn't know how people would feel with dating someone that, you know, had a disability. And people was like, no, 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 you should get back in. So I was like, maybe we should talk about that. I feel that. I feel that. So, so I'm sorry. Go ahead, Lonnie. I, I was just saying dope. Don't let no disability stop you from shit. Exactly, Lonnie. So tell us a little bit more about your disability and what, what challenges you felt it might have presented for you as far as dating. So backstory. Uh in 2006, um, Chris, you probably know this story already, but I'll I'll tell it again. So in 2006, um I was diagnosed with transverse myelitis, which is inflammation of the spine, which left me paralyzed from my chest all the way down mm. for six months. Yeah. Very scary experience. Um, you know, going through that changed the view of life for me because being a high school senior thinking that you were going straight off to college from high school and then this happens a month before you was leaving to go to college. It just changed a lot for uh, for me. What are some of the things that you had to go through to get to the point as to where that was no longer an issue for you? Or is it something that still serves as an issue? No, it's not an issue anymore. Um, at the time, um, I was in a wheelchair and then going to physical therapy three times, four times a week, having to relearn how to get dressed, had to relearn how to feed myself, simple things as far as tying a shoe, stuff like that. It was a lot to deal with for somebody that was able-bodied one day and then woke up the next day and was completely paralyzed. Wow. Yeah, that's a lot. So, you said what, boo? I said I wish I could hug him. You're such a hugger. Yeah, I love to love on people. I know it. So, I have been debating, um, and this topic, once it presented itself, kind of gave me the window to fully, I guess if you want to say, come out. You know, we already came out of gay. But uh, come out in regard to like my health history. Um, if, if you've been listening for a while, you know that I did have colon cancer. Um, I've talked about it on a few platforms. Um, some of the things that I've gone through as far as surgery and things of such, but I've never given it a full breakdown. So I will give it a full breakdown now. And after you get the full breakdown, if you go back and listen to other episodes, you may get a few inside <laughs> jokes that were told because it's going to make a lot more sense now that you know this. Lonnie, why are you laughing? Oh my because, gosh. Because, <laughs> y'all, Chris has played all his life. All his life. I don't know what y'all mean, but I'm going to go ahead and shoot it out. So for those who do not know, um, if you've listened, you probably heard me mention it. I did have stage three level C colon cancer. Um, it's something that I was diagnosed with at 29. Um, there goes my first um. Sheldon, we'll get into your um, ums that you just had a moment ago. <laughs> I tell everybody, and this is a side note, 
I tell everybody that we have as a guest on the podcast, be mindful of the um, because once you do it, you're going to do it 10 times. But nobody wants to hear me and everybody thinks it's so insulting. But then I sit and I listen as I edit to everybody. Um, but it's all good. We're going to move forward. Um, <laughs> so uh, my um, experience kind of started like this. I was going to the restroom and every once in a while there'd be spots of blood and I kind of put it off. And for a while, it was something that I kind of thought was maybe a random occurrence. Over time, it got a little worse. The blood started to get darker. I was a little scared being a man who has sex with men and, you know, all the stigma that goes beyond that. I was kind of worried that it was something sexually transmitted. Um, I tried to do the WebMD situation. Um, the thing that I found that seemed most similar to what I was experiencing was anal fissures. And for a really long time, it was just blood. Um, I will say that one of my biggest regrets in life is the fact that I did not go get it checked out sooner, just being more so afraid than anything. And I tell everybody that I know now, as soon as something abnormal is going on with your body, go see about it because you know how your body functions. You know what feels normal and right to you. If there's something that doesn't feel normal and right, go see about it because it can be something very serious as I had to learn. So moving forward, I started Mississippi State in the fall semester of 2013. Um, I got there in August, September, I turned 29. I'll say maybe a week and a half later at the beginning of October, all of a sudden I had massive abdominal pain. On top of having massive abdominal pain, I could barely stay out of bed. I was so exhausted. And the only time that I could get out of bed was that every few minutes that I was having to run to the bathroom because I had chronic diarrhea and um, not for the faint of stomach, but I, the diarrhea was not regular diarrhea. It was actually more like a mucus-like substance that was expelling itself from my body. It literally, to me, seemed like I was expelling tissue in the toilet from my body. Um, I had no idea what was going on, but I was really weak. I was really tired. I was losing weight very rapidly. And finally, my mom was like, you got to come home. And so Jamal, um, who's Lonnie's cousin, he's been on the podcast. He came and got me from school. No, I take that lot back. Did Jamal? No, I take that lot back. Jamal didn't come get me from school. Jamal took me to the GI doctor because I had gone to the student center at the school and they were basically saying that they couldn't really do anything, that I needed to go to the ER because from what they could see, they thought that maybe it was like ulcerative colitis or Crohn's disease or whatever. Went to the ER. They basically told me that they could not they could only treat emergencies and that there wasn't really much that they could do for me. Then my mama told me I had to come home. So my mama actually came to get me, brought me home. Um, there was my maybe third or fourth. Um, we went to a, we went to a few places and finally we got in touch with some people who were able to help because at the time I didn't have medical insurance. And um, giving, just kind of tying this all in, this is going to lead to a disability for everybody that's wondering, why is he telling us this about medical history? But going back, uh, I get home, 
I get some done. They initially tell me that I have a tumor, but that it's benign. And so that means for those that don't know that it was non-malignant and that it was not cancer. However, my doctors came back and told me that they wanted to run some tests again because based on looking at the images that they saw, that they knew that it was cancer. There was no way that it wasn't cancer. So they needed to go, you know, run some more tests. Uh, they ran some tests, came back. I had cancer. So moving forward, uh, skipping some of the details of my having had cancer to get to the point that I'm attempting to make. While I was sick, I ended up going to see the Ellen DeGeneres show in California. I flew from Memphis to Utah to California and did the same thing returning from California to Utah to Memphis. In returning home, I got very, very cold. And mind you, it's the middle of summer. I think we went to see Ellen in May. And so it's very cold. I'm shivering. I'm shaking. I'm having a little pain in my back. Uh, I go to the doctor when I get home. They tell me that my post rate is low. I can't have chemo. I have to be immediately admitted to the emergency room. They get me in the emergency room. They find out that based on the fact that I had done some radiation earlier in the year, the radiation had done its job in breaking down some of the cancer cells in my rectum. However, it caused a piece of the tumor to break off, which ruptured my rectum, left a hole, left the abscess, stool was passing through it, there was infection. It was a big to-do. It sounds a lot worse when I say it than I think it might have actually been because they made it seem like it was really minor when we talked about it. However, because of the fact that it was causing infection, they couldn't do what they would normally do, which would be to go in with a big needle drain the fluid, and then patch it up. Instead, they had to go in, cut me open, and again, not for the faint of stomach. If you get squeamish, you might want to skip a few seconds. They had to cut me open, pull out a part of my colon, snip it, leave the part of my colon exposed, do some other nipping and tucking, and it left me with a small circular fleshy bulb on my tummy called a stoma. Um, for those who are not familiar, the process is called a loopostomy, and I have a colostomy bag. At the time in which I was originally provided with this bathroom luxury, I was told that it was temporary and that eventually I would no longer have to have it. It was just in that moment to let the things happen the way that they were supposed to happen. Well, I was also originally told that I was never going to be able to have surgery. I was told very early that my cancer was inoperable, uh, that the tumor was too large, that the cancer was too aggressive, and that based on where it was located, that if they went and did surgery, that it would cause more issues than it did. Taking a few steps back, I ended up one day getting up out of the bathroom, excuse me, not out of the bathroom, I was trying to go to the bathroom, getting up out of the bed, trying to go to the bathroom, and falling and yeah, I wasn't too sure as to why that happened because I thought I could walk before that, but my back had said, yeah, sorry, 
You can't walk today. <laughs> so I went to the emergency room. The emergency room didn't know what had happened. Um, I ended up getting in touch with my oncologist. And for weeks, I went back and forth with my oncologist to a neurologist with my oncologist saying they felt like the cancer had spread to my sacrum, which is the lower part of my spine, to the neurologist saying, no, it hasn't. I will go back to my oncologist and they say, you need to go back. They really should look deeper. This this cancer has gone into your spine. And I will go back to the neurologist and they'd be like, we just told y'all this cancer ain't went to no motherfucking spine. We got pictures right here. What the fuck they talking about? And so I did it about three or four times until finally they were able to assess two teams of doctors that I had a spinal infection. And for those that don't know, I always say, and I try to be considerate of other people's inflictions, but I always say that I feel like from a physical perspective that I have gone through everything a woman has had to go through as far as childbirth is concerned. A, a, a female can miss me when it comes to talking about childbirth pain. Because, um, yeah, for a long time, you talking about somebody that could not walk, somebody that could not sleep, somebody that felt like their back was literally trying to crumble beneath itself. Like, it was a lot. However... Moving forward, once they were able to determine that I had a spinal infection and get me on some really, really heavy antibiotics, they were able to remove the infection. And then the cancer that had for all this time been inoperable, I was told that the longest that I could live was two years and that the best that they could do was sustain me on chemo for the rest of my life. Now was operable and I could have surgery. So they put me on some meds, which I abused at the time for anybody um, that is dealing with substance abuse issues, I urge you to get help because I was out here and I was out here bad on all of them. The muscle relaxers, the pain pills, the anxiety medication, the sleeping medication. Like I was taking six pills a day just to get a couple hours of sleep. I don't encourage it. (laughs) But to the point of the story, they went in. Even then, from my understanding, they were not planning to have cured me of cancer. They went in trying to do as much as they could to remove as much of the cancer cells that they could. Because in their mind, I was very young. This cancer occurred in people that were much older than me. And they were trying to save my life. Um, I remember talking to my doctor and she would tell me that they would take pick like my scans to conferences and put them up on boards and like people would study and research them. They would have full discussions trying to determine how they could Save my life. Um, so skipping forward a little bit more, I had the surgery, everything went well. They actually did more than they expected to and cured me of cancer. I have now been cancer free. December will make, Lord have mercy, December will make seven years. However, what I did not know going in was everything that they were going to do. So, again, if you're squeamish, maybe this is your time to not listen. Fast forward, skip around, come back to the episode a little later when you have a a more empty stomach, whatever you got to do. So, what they did was they went in, they cut me over from behind. I always say it's like taking a melon scooper and they were digging and they were getting all the cancer cells out. And they scooped and they scooped and they scooped. And then in their scooping, they removed my rectum. They removed parts of my sigmoid. 
they cut open my thigh, took muscle from my thigh, hunked it back there in my back door region, sewed it up, and in turn removed my sphincter. So for anybody who's not aware of what all those things mean, it means that I got a lot of junk missing from my trunk. Ain't no hole. So if you listen to an episode a few episodes back where I mentioned barring a hole, that was that reference. <laughs> and also, the colostomy bag that was once temporary is now permanent. I will say, after I've said all of that now, that I don't feel any pressure or resistance or anxiety. Um, it used to be very, very, very traumatizing for me. It was a major insecurity. I felt incredibly self-conscious and insecure. I was very ashamed. I, um, Sheldon, like you mentioned, I did not believe that I would ever be able to date or be romantic or be intimate in another situation again because... I thought to myself, well, how is somebody going to want to be around me if I don't even want to be around myself? Like, it really created some major area of depression. Right. But, you know, the Lord is victorious, and so now I can't get these hoes off me. But, <laughs> no, I'm just playing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. But, um, yeah, I've, I, I've been... It's so funny because now that I said it all, it's like, what more is there to say? But I've been looking forward to us having this conversation for a while just in regard to this topic. And Sheldon, I appreciate you for suggesting it because this is probably something that I would have never done. We don't get thousands of listeners, but it's nothing to say that one day we might not. So this puts me in the position to be incredibly exposed. So I'm very grateful and I'm... Um, I feel fortunate and blessed that I get to share this with people openly. For anybody that hears or shares or that wants to hear, now you know, you know, it's it's a it's a nice little derriere, but it's it's decoration only. <laughs> so um Lonnie, I know that this was more for us in regard to us talking about our disabilities and some of the things that we've experienced based on having had such disabilities but uh what if maybe some of your experience has been with other people and their disabilities okay so i'll go back to my childhood um so i honestly thought that i was going to have issues with seizures growing up um i can't remember how old i was but i had rode my bike down to my cousin's house and i ended up falling off my bike and hit my head and so i went back Went back home and I laid on the porch and I for I thought I went to sleep, but <laughs> my grandparents said I had passed out, so they ended up taking me to the emergency room. They checked everything; everything seemed to be all right. Um, I was riding my bike probably like probably like a month later, riding my bike with my granddad, and I was telling him that I I didn't feel well, and I'm just riding and. I ended up having a seizure on my bike. So, oh my god! And I've, I've, I haven't had any as an adult. Thank God. Let me knock on some wood. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I remember having one at church when I was a teenager, and everybody was like, "My mom." <laughs> they said, "My mom," when she see me, because I was an usher at the time. When she see me go forward, she said, "Oh shit!" Really loud in the church. <laughs> <laughs> no, Adrian. <laughs> so I woke up. I was in the emergency room. And I didn't. 
know what was going on. I just knew before I fainted, I was hot and I had ended up having a seizure. I feel like that was probably the last time I had a seizure. I've had issues where I blacked out, but I don't think that it's the same as what I what I experienced as a, a teenager or a child. But um, I actually worked worked for an agency um, where they housed young men and young women with disabilities. And I worked with the young man for several years. And um, it's crazy because before I started working for the agency, I was terrified of children with mental mental illness. I'm like, what if they bite me? What if they scratch me? <laughs> what if they beat me up? You know, so just <laughs> thinking silly stuff. And um, I, I remember going and doing my observation and I'm just like, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Like I'm supposed to be helping, helping somebody. And it's crazy because all of the kids that were like what someone else would call a horrible kid or someone that had more behavioral issues. Those were my favorite, my favorite clients. I don't know what it was about them, but I feel like I had more love for them because I didn't understand what they were going through and I knew that in most cases, they didn't mean any harm. They just expressed behaviors based off of how they felt. And there was nothing I could do on my end to um, assure them that they were going to be okay. So I think that, that that played a big part in me having more uh, love for the ones that actually did the damage. <laughs> But that's it for me. They needed some love, and you were the right person to love them. And you're gonna miss me with that. Is that's it for me? Because let me tell y'all about Lonnie. We'll get on this <laughs> podcast because I'm gonna talk about them right now. We'll get on this good podcast, live, learn, grow, repeat. And Lonnie will be like, I don't know, fam. I don't know if I have a lot to say about this. <laughs> and then we'll get to talking, and he'll get to speaking from that good old heart. And you know, it just flows. Yeah, that's oh. true. So I gave more than what I thought I was gonna be able to give. That part. (laughs) So Sheldon, tell us a little bit about what you do. I know you gave a shameless plug earlier, but tell us a little bit about what you do with your organization and how you help people in your community who've experienced cancer. Um, why you decided to start it and um how y'all have been doing since you have. Okay. Well, in 2014, I lost my aunt to breast cancer, and I felt like she was a pillar um, in the community. So I decided to start the um, nonprofit. First, it was just me, you know, you know, thinking that people was like, "Oh, there's nobody with these people sitting at these." these chemo treatments because every chemo treatment that my aunt went to I was there and I would go and there would be people there with no family members and they didn't have the essential needs for uh for chemo like you know you go in there it's it's cold uh you get nauseous and they want you to eat peppermints and snacks and some people go and take chemo for five and six hours at a time so, um, in 2015, we started Sweet Sugar Chemo Care Packages, where we put essential items into care packages with um, 
which consists of socks, blankets, peppermints, hard candy, water, Gatorade. Um, what else in the bags? Well, whatever you need for chemo, it's in the bag. This year, we even gave away gift cards, uh, gas gift cards, because I know people, a lot of people have, you know, a good trouble getting the chemo. So we gave away gift cards, gas gift cards. Uh, so we started in 2015. It was something really small. Um, we started with 55 bags. We did it at the chemo center that she went to. The next year, a lot of people caught on to it and said they wanted to donate. And we did uh a hundred and a hundred and seventy-five bags. Uh so now <laughs> in the good year of 2021, we are in major cities. We're in Washington, DC, we're in Dallas, Texas, we're in Montgomery, Alabama, we're in Birmingham, Alabama, and the Wiregrass area of Enterprise, Alabama, and we passed out over. 1,500 chemo care packages to people in those areas. Oh, that's so awesome. That is so awesome. Hmm. I'll tell you what. So, it's funny because I think about, like, there were a few times where I had people that would come up and sit with me during chemotherapy, but, like, it was very rare. And uh, my mom a lot of times would drop me off because she had to work so she wouldn't get to stay. But I'm sure that that's something that's very appreciated by people because a lot of people, I think, when you go, um, a lot of people aren't necessarily as fortunate. A lot of people maybe don't have big families. A lot of people are older, so they don't necessarily have people that can come and stay with them or even people in their lives that would come and stay with them. So that's something that's really, really awesome that you had that idea that um, God put that on your heart that you were willing to take the initiative and that uh, you're, you're able to do that and that you're able to reach people on such a widespread level. You should be, you should feel really proud of that. That's a major I am very proud. One day, one day we want to be all over, <laughs> not just in those areas, but all over. And it's coming. It's just a lot of time, but it's coming. Just keep yeah. pushing and hold on to the vision. It's going to oh, come. Cool. Absolutely. So if somebody wanted to donate after listening here, how could they reach out to you? They can reach out to our Facebook page at Sweet Sug Chemo Care Packages. And Sug is spelled S-U-G. Um, let me tell you how the name came. So my aunt name was Valerie. But, you know, in the South, everybody has <laughs> um, nicknames. So her nickname was Sugar. So, um... We came up with it. It was her email address. It was Sweet Shug. So we took her email address and chopped it up and made it into the name of the nonprofit. So it's Sweet Shug Chemo Care Packages and Shug is spelled S-U-G, um, not S-H-U-G-A. That's sweet. I, I really appreciate that. That is really sweet. So before we hop off, and again, we are very committed and we're grateful to be back with you all this week you can catch us next week and the week after as this is a weekly podcast don't give us too much about the fact that you missed us last week you know things happen it's a wonder that it took that long because <laughs> we have had <laughs> a lot of scheduling conflicts but we strive to do everything that we can to meet y'all back here every week so that we can share 
in this journey that we call life. But uh, one thing that we did do last week that you won't ever hear because the episode was so choppy, and this will be the last one for now, but we had a question that was never answered on our Q&A. And now that we have an additional guest here, I want to go ahead and get, you know, three perspectives on it. But um, it came from my friend, my little brother Malik, lengthy and it's kind of personal, but I asked him, could I use his name? And he said that that was fine. So Malik wants to know, and um, Sheldon, feel free to answer this question with me and Lonnie. Here we go. So as you know, I'm getting married next year. And I've had some issues with my soon-to-be in-laws in the past. Even now, I still feel like the energy is funky, even after I moved and forgave them. I've been going back and forth on whether or not they should be allowed to be in attendance, but I don't want to cause a rift between me and my fiancé over other people. I know if we don't, then that's going to, then there are going to be other issues that I don't necessarily care to deal with, but I will absolutely clear if need be. What would you guys do? And uh, this will go ahead. This is probably going to be pretty much the same thing that I said last week. Uh, Malik, I would say if this is something that you feel is not going to create drama for the day, like if these aren't people that are going to act out or, you know, cause commotion or put you in the position to feel like your safety is being jeopardized. I wouldn't worry about it too much when you get to your wedding day. Um, I haven't had one yet, but if, you know, to put me in the position to have one, one day, I'd imagine that, on that day, I would want it to be the happiest day of my life. I would want it to feel like it was the most beautiful experience of my life. And I would want it to be about me and my partner. So while sometimes there are other people involved who may have issues, if the issues aren't anything that are going to cause a detriment to your day, I would definitely say don't feel like you have to leave them off of the guest list. Perhaps <coughs> it being that th this is your fiance's family, there needs to be some conversations between you and he about perhaps how you all move forward beyond the wedding or even maybe before the wedding. If you feel that you're in a position as to where you aren't getting the type of respect that you deserve, I think that you're entitled to be able to have conversations and let people know that, hey, this is me, this is how I feel, these are my boundaries, and this is what I expect moving forward. If once those conversations are had, you feel like that respect still isn't given, I feel like you have the right to remove yourself from those people. And I feel that if your fiance respects you in the way that he should, as y'all love each other and y'all are about to commit yourselves to one another for the rest of your lives, he should be able to understand and respect that. That's his family. And I'm sure that he loves his family and hopefully he has great relationships with them. But if they don't have a great relationship with you, you shouldn't feel obligated to continue to attempt to if it's going to create a problem. Now, if family is something that's really important to you and it's something that's really important to him, then maybe y'all can come together and work out ways to try to get everybody on the same playing field. Uh, hopefully, you know, being that y'all are in the process of getting married, this isn't something that creates too many issues for the relationship, but I definitely feel like then there are some conversation that, conversations that need to be had. But now that we're here, 
you know, we've been in this relationship. We've decided that based on the love that we have, that we want to spend the rest of our lives together. Somebody's proposed. We're getting ready. Uh, yeah, don't don't let that drama come into your day because it's all about you and you should be happy. It should be the happiest moment of your life. Don't even think about those people. If they, if they got to be anywhere in the room, if it causes you to put them somewhere away from where you're going to be so that you don't have to look at them and you can be happy, you know, do what you got to do. But that is my take. Lonnie, what you think, Boo? I feel the same way. Y'all need to communicate that. I don't know. You and the family need to sit down with you and your um, future future groom. Um, but there needs to be some type of some type of conversation had before y'all's wedding so that everybody is on the same page. Um, it don't make no sense for you to be at your own wedding uncomfortable. <laughs> but congratulations to you to you and your groom. For sure. Sheldon, what you got? I'm on the fence about this. Because <laughs> I feel like I've, let me say this. I've always said that if if you didn't care about me or was really like in my life or sending po- positive energy and positive love and all about love on my wedding day, that I didn't want you there. And that that's family included. So I feel like you have you're entitled to be like I don't want you at my wedding. Like if I had a Say, for instance, my brother was like, I don't want to be at that. And I would be like, okay, you ain't got to be there. But at the same time, I, I might want him there. But if he not there, like genuinely there, to be there for me and be supportive for me on my day, then I don't want you there. Like, I feel like you don't have to be there if you don't want to be there. But at the same time, I feel like he needs to sit down and have a conversation with his future in-laws for his significant other. So in the future, there won't be any ups and downs, and they can get to a payroll where they can all skip down together holding hands. Mm-hmm. But if, if, down. <laughs> 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 I feel like if they if he don't want them there, then they don't need to be there. Like I feel like if I ever get married, my wedding will be small and intimate because I don't want everybody there. I feel like there, there's no need to have a big, humongous wedding with people there that aren't genuinely happy for you, or just there for the show, or there to eat and drink free food. Like, for what? Yeah. So put yourself put yourself in the other in the other groom's shoes. Say, for instance, you want your family there and your groom doesn't want your family there. How, how are you going to work that out? That's why I was on the fence about it. Because at the same time, I'll be like, I, I want my family there. Like, yeah. I would want my family there, you know. But if they don't want to be there, then. Yeah. I mean, if they don't want to be there, then cool. But yeah, if, if they don't want to be there, then it's cool. But I feel awesome. like if if he, if the his groom wants his family there and they want to be there, then they should sit down and, you know, have a conversation. But if they just like the hell with it, then. Okay, so be it the hell with it. Like, yeah, no need to hold on to it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just, just save me a couple hundred dollars on a plate. I love somebody. <laughs> well, Sheldon, we definitely thank you for joining us this week on Live, Learn, Grow, Repeat. 
Uh, tell us where we can find you on social media if people want to hit you up. I know you gave a shameless plug to your organization, which, yeah, shameless, is, is a, <laughs> it's amazing. But uh, tell us uh, where we can find you if we want to get at you personally. <laughs> well, you can book. find me on Facebook, of course. It's Sheldon Gibson on Facebook. Um, you can find me on Twitter, always cutting up, acting crazy. Um, it's Shelly underscore being to you, the number two, the letter U. And I'm on TikTok now, <laughs> wrecking TikToks. <laughs> and this is the same thing on TikTok, Shelly underscore being to you. That's dope. Yeah, my best friend on TikTok too. I don't think we've ever talked about that here. Best friend, where can the people find you on TikTok? Hey, Lonnie P. Haynes. That's L-O-N-N-I-E-P as in Paul Haynes, H-A-Y-N-E-S. Long as you make it TikToks. Oh, yeah. I'll take several. Several. <laughs> Please don't let it be no Carisha says handle. You have to go check it out. I'll check it out. You got to check mine out soon. No, it's funny because I have to. So this is how I've gotten about a lot of social media. I turn my notifications off, and I don't go to the app unless somebody sends me something. So with TikTok, TikTok especially because it's one where I can lose hours of time. But I don't get on t- TikTok. So unless somebody shared something with me, I won't open it. But whenever I do happen to open it, like if somebody sent me something funny or like somebody shared something in the group text, I get on, and it's like. 20 new TikToks of Lonnie. And when he first started, I was so excited. I was like, look at my best friend. Like, my best friend doing TikTok. I was excited. <laughs> sharing it all over the place. I was like, yeah, best friend. Now, at this point, I'm just have to send the people to where you at. Because, uh, he out here. It's all Lonnie, like, oh, TikTok it's, celebrity, it's, 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 it's really cute. Because y'all have to see it. Like, it's super cute. And y'all know my friend. If y'all don't know my friend, go look him up. It's so funny because I never even think about that. I always link people to where the, they can find us on the podcast. We never really <laughs> talk about where they can find us personally. Y'all better go see my best friend, cute face. Instagram the same. At Lonnie P. Haynes. <laughs> and I mean, if you're if you're more interested in a chocolate variation, I am at Black Soul Glow. S-O-U-L, all one word. Uh, And that's me on Instagram and on Twitter. And as always, if you want to reach out to us about podcast business, whether that be letting us know what you think about the episode or letting us know a topic that you'd like to suggest, giving us some feedback on how we can be better or letting us know that you would like to be a guest. You heard us talking and you said, hey. I feel like I can join in on some interesting conversation as well. You can find us on Instagram, Live, Learn, Grow, Repeat podcast. On Facebook, we are Live, Learn, Grow, Repeat. If you want to email, I feel like I've gotten one email in all time. But for those that still use email, hit us up. Christopher at LiveLearnGrowRepeat.com. Lonnie at LiveLearnGrowRepeat.com. And as always, you can check out our website, LiveLearnGrowRepeat.com. Thank you all so much for being here. It seems like I'm about to close us out, but I am not one to deprive my best friend of his opportunities. <laughs> so before we go, best friend, tell the people what's on your heart. Oh, Lord. <laughs> well, as y'all see, um, disability is vastly diverse. And um, you just never know what a person person is experiencing. Love on, love on your people. It's more Absolutely. mental. It's more mental illness out there than what 
any of us would ever even know. A lot of the stuff that's going on in the world is due to mental illness. Right. You feeling right? You better go get checked. <laughs> yeah, sure. yeah. That's another topic, though, Lonnie. Yeah, it most certainly is. Yeah, that's it. Well, thank you again, Sheldon, Lonnie. As always, I love you, love you, love you. I love you too. I was that bitch. You're not gonna tell me you love me. <laughs> you all have an amazing week and an incredible weekend. And until next week on our weekly podcast, live, learn, grow, repeat. I'll let you. <laughs>